0: The Jericho Network on Westwood One.
1: Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFawn Joining me on this episode, it is the always pleasant and cordial Glenn Hughes. We talk about his new album, Resonate, his father, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Deep Purple, and a lot more. Before that, please check me out on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, M I T C H L A F O N, on Facebook one-on-one Mitch Lafon and paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon should you care to support the podcast. And with that, here is the one, the only, Glenn Hughes. We are speaking with Glenn Hughes. The new album is Resonate. Uh, good day, sir. Good day, Mitch, and good day, everybody. Good, good. Always pleasure to to talk to you. So, um, we'll start off right then and there with the album uh, the word resonate obviously means, you know, to, you know, if a message resonates with you, whether it's a political one or something. Um, right. Talk to me about choosing the album title, and how do you expect this album musically to resonate with fans? Mm. Well,
0: you know, I think it must have been
1: around the halfway mark when I was writing this
0: album. When I was, The way I did this album, Mitch, was I went in, I was, as you know, recovering from my double knee replacements early this year, around the springtime, around right before, into the hall of fame in, in April. I was at home recovering, uh, doing physical therapy. And I, I had the opportunity to have a window of opportunity to write some new music. So I went into my studio and for the first time in my career, which is a long one, I decided I'm going to to write a song entirely musically and then i'm going to write the lyric and i'm going to sing it in in one long session so i'd I'd break after you know before dinner and then i'd go after dinner and i'd write lyrics and sing so every day i would come into the studio with an open canvas and i would paint this this new song this new picture and I, I think by song four or five, I, I realized... And the word resonate kept popping into my head. And this word resonate, maybe it was in a dream. I have no idea. I know what the word means. Didn't have to Google it to f- figure out what it meant. But it absolutely was a key element of where this album was going for me. That word resonate was like... I, I had other the ideas for using a song title from the album. And then I started to think, you know, I'm always the first thing that comes into my mind is always the one that stays with me. So resonate was, I think the right, the right
1: uh, title. Yeah, I think so too. And and I've had a chance to hear the album and uh, musically it does resonate with me. You've said that this is the most grounded rock album you've made to date. Um, in what sense is it the most grounded? And are the other ones, were the other ones ungrounded because of personal issues oh, no. and circumstances? No, so no, please. No.
0: You know, I think very, very simple. This album was wrote. Uh, as you know, this is the first album I've done as a solo artist in eight years. So here I am alone in my home with... You know, all my band members don't live in Los Angeles, and you know, I, you know, I, I, as you know, Mitch, I'm a songwriter, and more so now than ever before. And songs are as important to me as singing; they're so important. And I had this free time to go in my studio and and write um, alone, and I I I, I felt. It was the right thing to do. Hence me saying that this is the first complete grounding album I've done in in a while, or well, maybe yeah. ever. Simply because it, it's a real Glen album, as everything is written and arranged by me. And um, I love working with other people and writing with other people. I think it's it's been a good thing for me. But you know, I just thought you know let's give it a, a go and, and let's just make it a Glen, a real Glen solo album. You know like McCartney's album his first album I think he was the only musician that played on it so it's like I wanted to do something like that and and write on many different instruments and and give myself some some freedom and that's where we're at with this record
1: right and and but how is that different from California breed because when you look at california breed you were you were sort of the the main guy you you know you were the the main attraction, if you, for the lack of a better description. How is this solo album different than what you were doing with that? Did you not have the same sort of control and input and creative? No. Uh, No. Yeah, I mean, you you know, let's talk about that. Because
0: whilst working with with, uh, Joe, Jason and Derek in um, Black Country and working with Jason and and Andrew in, in California Breed, you're working within the realms of a band. This, this, you have partners and you have to be, to realize, it doesn't matter who's who, who's writing the most or who's writing the little, you're in a, a room full of other band members. And, you know, you're all on the same page. You're all in the same studio. And, you know, although I do write a lot of music. um, And this time... This is the first album I've made outside of of Black Country. I mean, there's three albums there, and the live DVD, and the Black and a California Breed album. This is the first time I found myself alone to write, you know, an album. And I had a, a I had a, a huge amount of material I was writing, you know.
1: Just wanted to give myself an opportunity to do that. <laughs> You know, and by the way, I um, I, I can hear the uh, the dogs in the background, and and we'll talk about that too because you're you're very much into I'm, I'm, animal control. I'm not on animal control, but animal rights and. and I'm,
0: gonna, I'm 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 gonna leave my I'm I'm actually gonna leave my <laughs> own home and go into my yard to talk to you because my dogs will my dogs will be doing an interview for me in a minute. All
1: right, and I've got mine next to no, my feet that's about to do the same thing. But go ahead.
0: So you know, Mitch, you know. Absolutely loved playing in Black Country, Communion, and Charlie Breed was great. And uh, uh, here he was Glenn Hughes now alone, you know, doing what he does on his own. And it's, it's, it's crazy to tell you this, but I've been doing this for four decades, and I've never really done an album, a solo album, that was never written completely by myself. And so when I went into the studio to play... My band had not heard any music. They had not heard anything that I had done. So, as I did when I was in my studio writing this stuff, I went in to the studio in Copenhagen and started to play them one song at a time. We started on a Monday, and the first song we we cut was was Steady. So here we are, and I was, you know telling them how I felt about the way it should be recorded and how lucky the keyboard player should start kind of with the Hammond organ. If you like kind of deep purple Mark three ish, if you will. And that's the way we did it. And each day we'd complete a song as we did, as I did in the studio in my home. And then we, um, we, we went to the next track until we had 12 tracks recorded and, uh, it was very fresh and vibrant, and and it was it, it revitalised me, and again it grounded me. It 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 made me realise, um, you know, what I probably have been missing for quite some time was the freedom to be able to do what I thought was an appropriate sounding Glen rock album. There's only one slow song on this album, um, as I wanted to channel what was coming through i don't know man i just wanted to make a really vibrant modern rock record and everybody seems to be on board with that you know i'm so happy that, that 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 it's again people are listening to it and going well he's finally done it he's done the album a lot of us have been waiting for so i'm really glad that um i can be of service in that in that department.
1: So, and let me ask you about that, because that was one of the quotes that, that I had heard from before. You said it's the album that fans have been waiting for. For mm-hmm. you, though, was it, is it, and I, and I don't want to say cathartic, but it, but that's a lot, the only word coming to mind, to actually work on these songs alone? Because in that band dynamic, is it sometimes frustrating for you to not have that voice and that vision and have to sort of share the vision? Is, is this more no. rewarding?
0: What I've learned, <laughs> if you will,
1: I, mean, I learned a huge amount in Deep Purple. But in those
0: years, you know, I'm not the man I am today. I was different, and I was a little bit uh, <laughs> say just just say a, a little bit unfocused. But I really enjoyed being in Deep Purple. It was a huge thing for me. But in sobriety, and and and, and absolutely since uh, Black Country started in 2010, I've work with incredible musicians and incredible producer and I've learned so much by what I do in my life I, I, I love to study, I love to sit back and, and watch people do what they do and I take little bits of this, I take little bits of that and I put it into, into the way I like to live my life. I love to be around constructive, loving, nurturing smart people You know, I love to read books and I, I like to be silent most of the time You know, I do my talking through my music. So what I've learned from the start of Black Country all the way to Resonate was I've learned so much about recording and so much more about songwriting that I think it's very relevant and prevalent on Resonate of of what I have learned. And, And long may that continue. I always want to be a student of music and life until they throw the dirt over me at the end. I never want to be. Oh, Glenn Hughes is the complete article. He's found his missing groove. Nope, I'm always going to be searching for that thing. I'm always going to be trying to figure out how can can I move on from this and and get to the next platform. That's a it's a beautiful thing to know that.
1: Yeah, really, it actually really is. Um, you know, we've done many interviews over the last uh, little bit, so I, I want to go in mm. some different directions. Uh, recently in the news, Wolverhampton Wanderers fired Walter Zenga, and that's one of your favorite teams. Yeah, 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 sure. Did you... Well, uh, you know... Yeah. Well, go on, Mitch. Well, I was just going to say, were you ever, you know, did you ever have that crossroads where you decided, where you had to choose between, I'm going to do music or I'm going to do sports? I mean, were were you an athletic sports guy? Okay.
0: yes, yes. Yes, I, I, I don't think we've ever talked about it. But no. as a child, as, as I was um, in the school team, uh, uh, football team, soccer, to Americans. Right. And, uh, but in Canada, you 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 guys call it football, So I don't know. It's like as, as a as a you know preteen, I was you know in the team, and then as a teenager, I uh, moved into a uh, midfield, and and uh, at age thirteen, I played for my school team, then I played for the town I was living in, then I played for the, kind of played for the county, you know, it was like a, I was like doing what kids do in hockey, you know, at school, my my nephews are, you know, really, really into hockey, so, I thought I was going to be, you know, a, a soccer player, I mean, I was really studying, you know, I was playing, you know, every day, and playing in the evening, and you know my family were behind what I was doing and all of a sudden that's when I heard the beatles and you know it was like immediately i didn't stop playing soccer i didn't stop putting my boots on and and stop you know wanting to play sports because i still am a sports fanatic but i had to choose because i i can't do two things at once i'm not one of these guys that can actually do a few things you know i got to concentrate on only one and when I heard the Beatles, that was it, you know and I think I, I, I did the right thing. I think I did exactly what I'm supposed to be doing you know music has given me it's given me so many incredible memories and gifts and I'm so astonished that I'm still here to do this work and uh, this life. I've been freely given and I am so grateful.
1: Yeah, and and it is if you look at it over the long term, the better career choice because you can sort of play music until, you know, you look at Chuck <laughs> Berry, he just turned 90 and he's still going strong and whereas yeah. most soccer players or hockey players by 30, 35, it's done.
0: Well, I'm good I'm good I'm good friends with um, Robbie Keane, the captain of the LA Galaxy. So I mean we talk about the longevity of an athlete compared to like Frank Sinatra was a, a friend of mine in the eighties and, you know, looking at Frank, you know, and then, you know, he, he's got another 40 years on, on most people at cricket playing soccer at 38, 38 is, is an, a, a year that most soccer players you know, give up or, you know, basketball might be a little bit
1: different, but yeah, what's well, when the um, bodies give up. It's when the knees yeah, give mean, up, you know,
0: <laughs> well, you know, It's like, again, you know, when you're 22 years old, you're not thinking about anything other than what's on your plate at that particular moment. And that was the Deep Purple years. And it was bigger, larger than life. And it was, as you know, it was an amazing run for me and the band. And then, you know, you go through the decades and you do this, you do that. And I get clean and sober. And then I start working a lot. And start taking care of myself and I, I find myself making record after record after record and working with so-and-so and so-and-so and learning what to do and what not to do. Once again, I'm an avid listener and an avid... I like to people watch. I like to to, to go and see what, what are these guys doing? What's going on here? I mean, how, what can I learn from this? Every, Mitch, everyone is my teacher, whether they're... One of my manager's kids is, is, like, 13, and, you know, he's he loves his Uncle Glenn. He's, he's, his Uncle Glenn for his Halloween, he's, he's going to be me at his Halloween party tonight. It's like, oh, my God, I mean, who wants to be Uncle Glenn? I mean, it's, like, unbelievable. So all um, I know is, is that I wouldn't change a thing. I'm, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm, I'm chuckling to you when I say these things. Right. Because, and uh, I, and I'm sure people, a lot
1: of people around the world want to be Uncle Glenn, by the way. You've had a pretty outstanding Life.
0: So. Well, you yeah. know, I'm 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 glad they're gonna. i actually don't have any children, so I'm honoured to have anybody call me an uncle. But um I'm really truly grateful. I can't express to you the kind of year I've had with with once again having the, these knee surgeries as we spoke about earlier this year, Mitch, and then having my father die at the the same day as I get inducted at the Hall of Fame was was. You know, talk about having something to think about on Resonate. Talk about what I can you know, I've got such a deep well of information that that I've I mean, I could I can't write songs at, at twenty four or twenty five like and like I can write now. I didn't have any life experience, you know. Um I'm really glad that some of my friends are, or my age are still making some really great music. But a lot of my friends at this age are either retiring or have kind of disappeared or have gone under the radar. It's like crazy for me. I've got Resonate coming now, and Backcountry Communion 4 is in January. Joe's been here all week, and uh, we're writing this new album. So it's going to be a hell of a year for me. So I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited too. And uh and by the way, Joe would be a, an interview I would love to get at some point. But um and, and my condolences by the way on the passing of your father William. I, I can't imagine yeah. um how that must have been especially on the day and um but but so let me just let me let me just ask you about that. Though going with, through everything that you've gone through this year, you know, mm-hmm. William passing away, the knees, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall mm-hmm. of Fame, where the band doesn't want to let you play, and and some of those things. <laughs> well, you know, it, you know, it, that that's sort of, if I can say it for you, insulting. Maybe that's not the right well, word, but that's the word I would have. Um, why yeah, didn't you, you know, just okay, go you ahead?
0: Know, you know, look, Mitch. You, you, we've done. We've talked before about a bunch of stuff, and I feel very open with you, and. I can't. Dis- I, you know, David and I could not make a, a call on us playing with uh, uh, Mark Two, if you want to call them that. Um, I knew going into it that we would not be invited. Uh, I did say to David, "Let's just take a chill pill and, and go up there, and, and we'll um, we'll accept our awards." And um, I'm really good friends with uh, Robin and Rick and Tom. Cheap Trick, and I, and Paul Schaefer, and I knew like, they were going to ask me and him to sing. And I said, don't worry, it's, it's going to be great. So we were there to be a service to the fans and to, to rock fans in general, and it was a great moment for me. But behind the scenes, I knew my dad was, was, was on his deathbed. I knew, I knew it. Uh, I knew it two days before I w- was in New York. Um, I did not discuss this with anyone with management or people or friends or just uh, I kept it between me and my mum and my, and my Gabby and we just kept it quiet. And uh, it was, it was, uh, I had to keep it together, you know, um, up on that stage. It was, it was, it was not easy, not easy, but I learned so much about that experience for me that has helped me today that uh, my dad was deceased as I was doing my speech, and he was watching me from, as they say in the United Kingdom, he was watching me from the Royal Box. I know my dad was proud of me, number one, for having success as a child, and number two, for recovering from drugs and alcohol, and number three, for getting a career back on track, and number four, for being uh, an educated young man. So that award. It was absolutely dedicated to him and I um, went on to record Resonate which could be people are saying my finest work so again yeah um, no, it, it's great I'm, work I'm overwhelmed
1: you, um you know you mentioned the the drug stuff and we we've interviewed before and we talked about Seventh Star and Black Sabbath and how you were out of mm-hmm. it and so on mm-hmm. and, um how was that for your family to deal with that. W- were they of any help? I mean, I'm assuming they must have. I mean, were, were you an oh, exceptional God. disappointment, or is that none of my business? No, or? No,
0: no. No, no. Back in the day, right. Mitch, back in... This is... Let's, let's, let's get down to it here. Okay. This is before... Well, Alcoholics Anonymous has been around a long time. time. Correct. You know, a long time, a long time. But... The Betty Ford Center has not been or treatment centers like Hazelden and there's, there's many, many across uh, America now. But these weren't around when I was falling off the wagon and when I was trying to find a ray of hope to... Look, I, I was never really a happy dude uh, being overserved at the bar or whatever I was doing, inappropriate. I never felt a moment of Oh my God, this is so much fun. I always knew on the back side of this was going to be trouble. So in the town that I was born in in, in United Kingdom, a place called Canock, C-A-N-N-O-C-K, I was also known as a very famous musician, but also a very famous uh, a guy that used to sit at the bar and fall off bar stools, you know. It was and it was not easy for my mom and dad to to live with that when they've got a, a son who's always on the T V like gossip and it's actually some gossip that I'd actually died in nineteen eighty three. You know, so all these things they had to deal with, you know, and it was like when I finally did get sobriety in ninety one, it was a life changing experience and a game changer for me, you know, to who people were putting bets on, oh, he's going to be the next 10 hes going to be the next one, oh Yucy's gonna be the next one. Well, I was very fortunate to have found the life I have now, and uh, the freedom, and to take the shackles, and I was not in bondage anymore. It's a really good feeling to be on the right side of the grass, let me tell you.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Did your ever did your parents ever come to you and say, "Hey, hey, son, you're you a disappointment to us"? Did it ever get to that kind of level, or did you no. sort of just did you feel that? Did you sort of say, "What have I done"? You know. No, I no? think, okay. you know,
0: in Entrapeze, in, in, in you know, I, yes. I, I didn't really suffer from the addiction until Purple. Okay. And it was, I think it was around, you know, year two, uh, around, um, around 74-ish, where I had meetings with uh, members of Deep Purple's management and, and the finance people behind the band that I may have been spending too much money on. What's all this? Money? Were you giving who? Who's who's going to get all this money? He was like yeah, obviously going out of control. So and you know it was it was like my parents did get involved in that because you know it it was their kind of it wasn't their business but I wanted it to be their business but they didn't know about drug addiction back in the in in the seventies in England they didn't even know how to say cocaine. cocaine. What's good kid no it's funny now, but it it wasn't funny back then, so no. they never really i mean we did discuss this by the way when i you know I went into my first treatment in nineteen seventy six which didn't work at all because they didn't know they didn't have a twelve step program back then they just filled me full of like <laughs> valium or something to take the edge off it's it, it's it's not even funny to talk about it it was it's almost you know like I was trying to do anything to stop killing myself. I, I, I would have done anything to to stop all that. and to, to But I had to go through what I had to go through to the other side.
1: And with that, we were uh, interrupted to let uh, Glenn know that his next interview was waiting for him online. I did get to finish with one last comment, so let's check it out. Here it is. Well, all right. So, Bye. Mitch, have you got everything? Uh, well, I've got everything, and I, I had a bunch more, but we'll do another one at some other point. But uh, always a pleasure, Glenn. And, uh, well, thank pleasure. you, Thank you, as always. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Mitch. Thank you
0: so
1: much. Cheers. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you, Mitch. Bye-bye.
1: And there you have it, folks, my interview with the always pleasant Glenn Hughes. Uh, just imagine, we could have been saying Glenn Hughes the footballer rather than Glenn Hughes the singer. And with that, I bid you a fond farewell. Thank you for listening design Au revoir. Bye for now. Oh my.